Ephesians 3. Thank you, Dave. Ephesians 3, 1 to 7. It's because of all of this that I, Paul, the prisoner of King Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, I'm assuming, by the way, that you've heard about the plan of God's grace that was given to me to pass on to you. You know the secret purpose that God revealed to me, as I wrote briefly just now. Anyway, <laughs> when, you, when you read this, you'll be able to understand the special insight that I have into the King's secret. This wasn't made known to human beings in previous generations, but now it's been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. The secret is this, that through the Gospel, the Gentiles are to share in Israel's inheritance. They are to become fellow members of the body, along with them, and fellow sharers of the promise of King Jesus. This is the Gospel that I was appointed to serve in line with the free gift of God's grace that was given to me. It was backed up with the power through which God accomplished his work. Beautiful. So we have here, we're going through the book of Ephesians, and um, uh, what we have here, and so tonight, I'm, I haven't, this is the first time I'm doing this. Uh, this is last night. Let's try some things. Um, we'll do a little bit of teaching, and then kind of after the first part, I'm doing some teaching about Ephesians, and then um, then share a bit of my heart on unity and, and what we're really pushing for and believing for, particularly as we um, move into the space next week. But Ephesians, it's this letter um, written by Paul. And if we have a look at the scripture here, this is what we got. We're looking at the scripture. This is Ephesians 1. And we have here Paul, who's writing this, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace, grace to you and peace from our God, God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So we have here the apostle Paul writing this letter, um, and it says to Ephesians, but... Um, yeah, many think that that, that, little action, that little bit here in Ephesians was probably actually added a little bit later. Um, this letter was widely known or thought of as a letter that was actually sent to the, the area where Ephesus was. It wasn't just to the people of Ephesus, but to the area. Ephesus was a part of a Gentile area, a non-Jewish area, uh, where you know, Roman, cap- Roman people were living. And so um, what we have is this really short intro by Paul, and which is very rare in his letters. Uh, most of his letters aren't written this way. It's very it's small, and, and then it goes straight into this prayer um, that we're going to be looking at next week from Blessed Be the God, Our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. We'll have a look at that beautiful, amazing prayer next week. But uh, here it's a small intro by Paul um, written, writing this letter to this big group. Usually he's addressing a, a particular issue right away. Usually you know what's going on, why he's writing the letter. But this one is, is unique because he's writing to this broad group of churches. And um, here we have a little map. And this is where Ephesus was. Again, sorry guys over there. <laughs> um, Ephesus was a part of this. There's lots of little places. We have Colossae there. We have Laodicea. We have Smyrna, Philadelphia. These, come into these, some of these places, the churches are mentioned in the book of Revelation. They're known to have churches. And so Paul's probably writing this letter to this group of Gentile churches, trying to figure out how to do life as Christians now in the Roman kind of way. And as, as Gentiles, as non-Jews, adopting a Jewish um, Messiah as their king, 
they're now, now trying to figure out what life is all about. And so here, Paul, as a prisoner, as a prisoner, is writing to encourage these churches here. Uh, and so the question is, what, why, like some of this reasoning behind. And so usually, as I mentioned, the reason why he's writing letters, it's, it's pretty obvious. He's trying to deal with a particular issue in the churches. But this is a lot more broad. There's a lot more open to try and figure out what is Paul, why is Paul writing this letter? And if we turn again to this, this, the passage that is in your booklet um, here in chapter 3, we get a little bit of a glimpse of what Paul is trying to do, trying to achieve in writing this letter. He says here, there's this secret purpose. You know that secret purpose that God revealed to me, Paul, as I wrote about briefly. Anyway, we have a little chuckle there because we're in chapter 3 here. So we understand that chapters 1 and 2, he's written all about this stuff that's going on. And we're going to be looking at those in the coming weeks. But all that, that he just talked about in chapters 1 and 2, there's this secret purpose that God has revealed to Paul. And he says this next line. He says, when you read this, you'll be able to understand the special insights I have into the king's secret. It's very mystical and amazing. There's a secret that Paul has, this thing that has been revealed that we are, he's trying to help the people understand. And if we actually break down this um, the book of the letter to the Ephesians, we actually break it down. It's, it's broken down into kind of two main sections. Chapters uh, 1 to 3, often Paul's trying to actually help us under, understand the secret that he's trying to unravel. He's wanting us to understand it, us to grapple with it, us to comprehend and understand what is happening now in Jesus. And then chapters 4 to 6, there's a whole section on how we can actually live it out how we actually can live this out, this story, this, this thing that Jesus has uh, put upon us and, yeah, is helping us live out. And so um, Tim Mackey, uh, who there's a great um, classroom, if you want to spend a few hours uh, looking into the book of Ephesians, a great classroom. But Tim Mackey, he um, describes Ephesians. He says, Ephesians, as a summary, is a community's guide. It's a community, broad because there's lots of churches involved. Community's guide for understanding and living out the apocalypse of the crucified and risen king of the cosmos. It's beautiful. Ephesians is a community's guide for understanding and living out the apocalypse of the crucified and risen king of the cosmos. Now this word apocalypse that Tim Mackey is referring to is actually this word in, in, the, in the scripture called revealed. It, it's mentioned twice here. God revealed to Paul. He revealed. He had this moment of revelation. Again here in, in chapter five, uh, verse 5, it's, it's been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This word revealed is, is the word apocalypsis, which uh, is that Greek word apocalypsis, which... For, for many of us, when we think of the word apocalypse, uh, we often, the modern kind of way of thinking it is, is end of the world stuff. It's things that are going to happen at the end of the world. We think, you know, everything's going to boom, bang. It's, that's what apocalypse, apocalyptic writing is about, right? Well, uh, the actual original meaning of apocalypse, 
apocalypsis is to uncover and to reveal. When, when they're talking about apocalypse, it's actually a revealing moment, an illuminating moment. It's an uncovering a truth that was hidden and has now been revealed. That's why the, the last book of the, uh, of the Bible is the Revelation, which is a, apocalyptic kind of writing. That's where we kind of get all this connection because Revelation is confusing and we think it's, it's the secrets of the end times. Uh, this, you know, another story in that. Uh, but... That's where that modern meaning is kind of grappled onto this end times thing. But actually, the original meaning is just a revealing, an uncovering of something that was hidden that has now been illuminated. It's, it's learning something new about the universe that, that suddenly comes to our mind. And we, we become to realize a truth that is, that is real that we've never understood. We have an apocalypse moment where something is, wow. I never knew that before, where, we, where we've engaged with something of God's spirit that has brought something to life. This is that apocalypse moment. And um, when we think about the uh, biblical way, the biblical view of the world, the, we can think about it in this way, that the biblical view is they, they saw heavens as in the sky. The actual word in, in the Hebrew word for heavens is skies. So that's their view. Their, their, world, their cosmology was that the heavens was in the skies and earth, this is where humans live. Up there is where God lives and where spiritual beings live. They're, they live in the heavens and we're in earth. But a apocalypse moment is actually a moment where in the middle we actually engage with both. We're both in the heavenly realm, but in the earthly realm. And there's moments throughout the Bible where this is happening. And, and with the story of Jacob and the Jacob's ladder, he, he sees a ladder from heaven, from the skies. And there's this moment, this engagement in the, this random field in the middle of nowhere, where Jacob has this moment with God and actually has this revelation moment. With Paul, or, or then Saul, the, the apostle, he has a, this moment on the road to Damascus where he engages and encounters Jesus in that road and has this apocalypse moment, this, this thing where he's, he actually was on the road to um, kill off uh, followers of Jesus. But then he has this apocalypse moment where it, life was illuminated, something was illuminated to him, and he changed his life because he had this amazing apocalypse moment. This is what we encounter when Jesus... Is, is says to his disciples, thou shalt not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Rufus. <laughs> um, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> um, uh, when Jesus says to his disciples, this is how you should pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is this picture that Constantly, what Jesus is trying to do is actually engage the very reality of heaven. Heaven's not this, this place that we go to at, at when we die. Heaven is a reality, in, like for them, is, is, is always there. It's there available. And, and what we're called to do as Christians is actually believe that heaven's reality would, would actually merge with us in heaven, uh, in earth, in our earthly reality, that we actually encounter the very amazingness of heaven now. And it's, it's amazing what we, it's not just something that we get to when we die, but it, we can actually encounter heaven now. Yeah. And that's just a beautiful, amazing thing. That's what we're believing for. And, you know, we, 
some of us may have felt that and experienced that ourselves. Moments where, you know, you could just be randomly doing a devotion or something in the morning and you just you experience God's presence in a way that's like, wow, so that something's illuminated to you that you'd never seen before. Or maybe it's like a, a youth camp or something. We have these moments in life where we've like, oh my goodness, something has shifted. Something's changed. Something's actually been available. Something's come alive to me, illuminated to me that I haven't seen before. This is an apocalypse moment that we have, that we can engage with. And so this is what is happening for Paul. There's an apocalypse moment that is going on. Paul's focus for writing is to summarize that the most apocalyptic, the most revealing event in human history, Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and the gift of the Spirit to bring new creation here in the present world. This is why he's writing it. Paul is writing to summarize the most revealing moment in human history, Jesus, and what he has done. So, what is it? What is it this moment? What is this apocalyptic, this big moment that Paul has had, this illumination? We read it earlier in verse 6. The secret is this, that through the gospel... The Gentiles are to share in Israel's inheritance. They are to become fellow members of the body, along with them, and fellow sharers of the promise in King Jesus. That's the Gentiles, that all people, that the nations, that the non-Israelites, we have joined an Israelite religion. This is a Jewish thing. This is a Jewish tradition that we actually follow the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. This is what we do as Christians. We follow the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, and that we actually have been invited in the inheritance of the Israelites to become fellow members of the body of the Israelites and fellow sharers of the promise in King Jesus. Again, in, in chapter 1, it talks about this as well, the same thread, same theme, uh, talking about this very thing in verse 10 as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, in Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. The plan for the fullness of time, for God's plan is to gather up, to bring all things together in Jesus Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. This is an amazing thing. And we, in majority of us in this room, I don't know if anyone's got Jewish heritage, but we are the benefactors of this very thing, that we have been invited into the story of Jesus. We've been invited into his grace. We've been invited into his life. We've been invited. All people have been invited. This is scandalous. And this is why the Pharisees were so up in arms against Jesus because they were like, no, this is an Israelite thing. No one can just join this. This is not just something that people can just join. This is an Israelite thing. This is, this is serious. We, we follow a rigid set of rules. We have a, a set of requirements that, that are needed. You can't just 
willy-nilly join our, 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 cult, our whole nation. This is a na- national thing that we have been invited into. And it's amazing what Jesus has invited us into, that he calls and his plan to call is to bring all things together. And when we think about our world today, we think about the division, the disunity, the things that divide us and separate us. There's so many, and it's a very prevalent thing that we are divided. Though we think we're kind of working together, there's so many things that divide us. There's so many things that, that is, is at war within us. And what causes the most war, what causes the most pain, the most contention within nations, within families, within friendships, is this divide, is discouragement, is disunity, is division. But we as Christians are called to bring unity in this space. There is a unity that we are mandated as Christians to believe in Jesus Christ there is an, a bringing of all things together there is a, rede- a redeeming work of Jesus Christ that actually wants to redeem the disunity that is divides us and that that causes the friction between one another that causes friction between how we treat each other how we see each other we are called to actually be a part of seeing the reality of Jesus redeem those things that where we have broken relationships where we see other people with this fractured view we're called to actually redeem those things through jesus christ and actually see unity take place and if we read through the gospels i think time and time again when you actually understand what's going on and it's it's scandalous the way that jesus does this the way that jesus welcomes the person that is the outside that he he sees a tax collector in his tax collecting booth and says you come follow me you have just been collecting money from the jewish people and ripping them off taking them giving them to rome you're sitting there and doing that and i i'm saying come follow me though my jewish brothers my jewish disciples may hate you and think that you're trash jesus says come follow me and he brings what, some, what others would consider an outsider and says, come follow me. He, he looks at people. The, the most scandalous thing for the disciples is that, that Jesus would meet with the broken, the people who were hurting, the people that, that were outsiders, people who were lepers that shouldn't be touched. Jesus goes and says, you are clean. The people that were in, in um, terrible places and they were broken and hurt he would go to them and say you are clean time and time again what jesus does is he welcomes the other person he doesn't go to the powerful he doesn't go to the most important he doesn't go to the people that would look good on his instagram account you know whatever it he goes to the broken people what seemed like the most opposite thing someone to try and you know start a kingdom start his a team is he does the opposite of that and he goes to the broken and hurting and the people who were outsiders to try and bring unity and unite and look out for the other to break the divide that is all around 
Break that divide, Rufus. <laughs> and so where are the divides in our society? Where are the divides in our society? That Jesus is calling us into. I don't think it's, it's too difficult that we can see in front of us there's divides. Divides of, of racism, divides of socioeconomic class, of the homeless, of people dealing with mental health that just kind of in their own world. Divides of, of sexual preference or political view of vaxxers and non-vaxxers. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, but no. <laughs> there's divides. Um, and what we as followers of Jesus is we're actually called to go in the middle of those divides and actually bridge unity and actually bring people together and actually stand for one another, actually believe in one another. The call of unity is not about uniformity. The call of unity is not to look the same and have the same beliefs and have the same values. It's actually in our difference to stand together. It's in our difference to actually believe, no, Jesus is king of our lives. Yes, you may have that view about vaccination and I may have another view, but we're called to actually stand together and believe for one another because Jesus is king of our lives. This is the call that Jesus is making and bringing to us. And I've been so challenged as I've been thinking about this and, and looking into this whole form, this whole concept of unity and seeing the brokenness in our culture and seeing how we as Christians can just go by and just be okay with that happening around us, this disunity all around us. And we, we, we mask it by saying, oh, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not a racist, or I, I don't have strong bad views against those kind of people, but we actually just stand back on this sideline and not do anything about it. We actually just stay in the comfort, comfort zone of saying, they, you know, I don't think badly of them, but I'm not going to do anything for them. I'm not actually going to stand with them and believe for something to change for them. So this call as a Christian unity is actually to do more than just stand. You know, it's more than just getting along with people. Getting along with people is what the world can do. Getting along with people is what everyone can do. We can get along, you know, we can just, but actually to stand with someone and actually believe for their best interest and actually believe that, that God can actually redeem something takes at work, takes an invitation, takes an invitation to say, will you come eat with me? When have we kind of had moments where we've asked someone that we probably wouldn't hang out with, do you want to come eat with me? This is the model of Jesus, the radical model of Jesus that we would form unity in a radical way that would see the other and actually do something crazy and love and stand with them in a way that, yeah, actually brings unity. So the, I, there's, there's, yeah, I feel like there's so much God wants to do in us um <clears throat> there's so much god wants to do in our community in bridging unity for us i think the first step is for us to actually realize who is the other for us for you guys who is the other for you who's that type of person that you wouldn't kind of think about hanging out with 
you haven't got time for. And I'm not saying that we just, now our lives are open to everybody and we just spend our time hanging out with everybody. I'm not saying that we do that. But I think God places people in our hearts. God is working in us and we shouldn't neglect the voice of God calling us to a certain person. Calling us even to a certain people group. Maybe it just means that you need to go and, and uh, hang out with someone from a different tradition or someone from a different ethnic group or someone who's um, homeless or poor. Just, just once, go and hang out with someone like that because that's a, a great divide. That's who you would see as an other. And actually just have a conversation, just one person, to actually reach out and say, I want to get to know someone like this, someone who I see as an other, who I wouldn't really recognize and go, you know, we would get along. And, and I'm not saying that you're going to get along with these people. I'm not saying that's the point of unity is getting along. But I think we actually need to learn what it means to step over what we know and actually stand together with somebody else. And so this whole picture is, is, is pretty open. I know, I know we're calling us to something kind of crazy and big, but... Uh, I don't necessarily have all the answers. Now, what you know, this step that we're making next week with partnering with St. Luke's is, is one step of saying there's these two different traditions of church that seem, you know, they wouldn't go together, but we want to actually unite together and believe together that we actually can worship God and honor God together. There's something beautiful about this traditional and this kind of more charismatic, not that I'm... Um, I guess I'll shake around a bit, but <laughs> this is the most animated I've been. I'm not usually standing. This is, you know, crazy. Um, uh, but these two different traditions and styles of church actually uniting and worshipping God together is beautiful. There's been so much divide in the church that we want to actually see bring unity in the church, bring unity and believe that, yes, you have a different style and way of doing church, but we love you and we actually want to support you. Um, and so this is a big part of what Michaela and I, that's this heart of what we see in, in partnering with St. Luke's, this heart of actually joining together and doing something, uniting together. But this is also a call for all of us. Who is your other? Who is your other? I have, I have some, you know, something for me that I actually want to, steps that I want to take and see an other for me. But who is it for you? What is God prompting for you to actually reach out to others and see unity take place? This is the scandalous thing of Jesus. The message of Jesus is to gather all things together. All things together together in Jesus and this requires us actually stepping out and actually questioning who is my other and actually doing something about it allowing God to shape you in that and I truly I believe that God, what, what God wants to shape what God wants to shape in us is going to bring a redeeming work in this community. And it's not about numbers or this big movement or nothing like that. It's just there are going to be individuals that we come across that thought that they weren't worth anything. There are going to be individuals that think that no one sees them. 
But because we cross over a divide and actually make an attempt to bring unity, there's going to be a redemption that takes place in their lives. I see individuals coming alive and an illumination of Jesus Christ coming alive because we've stepped over a line that has said, no, you shouldn't cross that. We've stepped over and said, no, I see you. Actually, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. And actually being a part of seeing the redemption work of Christ alive in others. This is what we believe. This is what we're declaring, what we're praying for. A unity. A unity in our community by placing Jesus as king of our lives. And even just that, Jesus is king. Some may think that, that that's a divide of religious divide. And yes, this is the very call that we're calling people to, is to see Jesus as king. Because we know that as Jesus is king, it doesn't matter what other things may divide us. We can be united on this fact that Jesus is king of our lives. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. And that when that unifies us, all things, doesn't matter what divide, that it actually comes together, is summed up in Jesus. And so these next seven weeks, as we explore the book of Ephesians, I love us to just continue to notice, even continue to see there's so much of it in this book, the, the oneness that Paul is inviting the churches into, how he's constantly bringing two things into one, this oneness and unity, this togetherness that Paul is inviting people in. And so I encourage you over these next seven weeks to read the book of Ephesians. You could probably read it in one sitting. Uh, and then read it slowly over the over the weeks. Um, but even there's um, in your booklets there's a great kind of commentary slash devotional book by Tom Wright, um, uh, which is uh, Paul for everyone. The um, prison letters is where it's situated. Great kind of it just puts a, a passage of the scripture and then it gives some thoughts, some commentary on, or mostly kind of a story uh, to. Uh, kind of highlight what's been said. And so it's a nice little way to read through if you want something to read through um, over these next seven weeks. I encourage you to get it. You can get a single version for $10, what is it, $12. And then there's, I've, I constantly are telling people to buy this, this um, Logos package because it is amazing what the value you get for $35. Um, it includes all the um, New Testament for Everyone books by Tom Wright as well as few of his signature books, Surprised by Hope, plus um, Dave's favourite book um, by John Stott, uh, Basic Christianity. Is that what it's called? It's included in that one. There's so many good things in that package. Anyway, I won't harp on about it too much, but it is very good if you um, can get it. Logos is just an app, an app you can get on your phone or um, iPad. If you can't read your books on that, then sorry. <laughs> if you need the physical... They actually don't have any more at Kurong. I did try and have a look, but they're all sold out. Uh, So I I encourage you to read through Ephesians. Um, uh, And then secondly, I encourage you to to pray the Lord's Prayer every day. It's a simple way to actually engage with the God. And and in particular, as you're praying those words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I just just ask you to just, even in this, this week, to just think about um, this, this time in us as a church as we're uniting with, with St. Luke's and to, to, to believe, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done in this, in this uh, plan that we've, we're doing, in, in this new venture that we're heading into, let your kingdom come. Just, just think about what's happening and pray for us.
um, in those moments, um, your prayer would, yeah, would be great as we kind of do this and kick into this week. We need each other. Uh, praying is, is important as we kind of launch into this new venture. And continue to share it with others. Continue to share. Talk about it with one another, how God has been kind of moving with you. But also share. Share this love. Seek out unity with the other. Seek out how God can form that with you.